The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham, adapted by Bart Meehan, directed by Tony Turner, with original music by Glenn Gore Phillips. The cast includes Nicky Hunter as the narrator, Elaine Noon as Mole, Geoffrey Borney as Ratty, Tony Turner as Toad, Graham Robertson as Badger, Nigel Palfreyman as Otter, Lainey Hart as the jailer's daughter and the bargewoman, and Neil MacLeod as the magistrate, the engine driver and the gypsy. The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham, a Paper Moon Theatre production in association with Artsound FM. Episode 6, The Escape. When Toad found himself locked in a dank and noisome dungeon and knew that all the grim darkness of a medieval fortress lay between him and the other world of sunshine and well-metalled high roads where he had lately been so happy, he flung himself at full length on the floor and shed bitter tears. This is the end of everything, or at least the end of Toad which is the same thing, popular and handsome toad, rich and hospitable toad, toad so free and careless and debonair. Why has this happened to me? Why have I been imprisoned for stealing such a handsome motor-car? I mean, it was not my fault. Who could resist all that? soft leather and shiny silver. Broom, broom. And years for offering fat, red-faced policemen the benefit of my opinion. It's so unfair, so cruel, so stupid. (laughs) That's it. What a Stupid animal I was, and because of that I now must languish in this dungeon till people who were proud to say they knew me have forgotten the very name of Toad. Oh, wise old badger. Oh, clever, intelligent rat and sensible mole. What sound judgments, what what a knowledge of men and matters you possess. Oh... Unhappy and forsaken toad. With lamentations such as these, he passed his days and nights for several weeks, refusing his meals or even light refreshments, though the grim and ancient jailer, knowing that toad's pockets were well lined, frequently pointed out that many comforts, and indeed luxuries, could by arrangement be sent in from outside 
at a price. Now the jailer had a daughter, a pleasant girl and good-hearted, who assisted her father in the lighter duties of his post. She was particularly fond of animals, and besides her canary, whose cage hung on a nail in the massive wall of the keep by day, to the great annoyance of prisoners who relished an after-dinner nap, she kept several piebald mice and a restless, revolving squirrel. This kind young girl pitied Toad and told her father that she couldn't bear seeing him so unhappy and getting so thin. Let me look after him and soon he won't be so thin. You know how fond of animals I am. I'll have him eaten from my hand and doing all sorts of things before you know it. Her father replied that she could do what she liked with him. He was tired of Toad and his sulks and his airs and his meanness. So that day she went on her errand of mercy and knocked at the door of Toad's cell. Cheer up, Toad. Sit up and be a sensible animal. And do try and eat a bit of dinner. See, I've brought you some of mine, hot from the oven. Uh, mm, oh, oh, what's that delicious smell? Cabbage? Is it cabbage? It's bubble and squeak. Here, try a mouthful. Well, uh, perhaps just a spoon. No, I will not. I am miserable and the miserable do not eat. Take it away. If you insist, but I will come back to see you this afternoon. Do as you please. The circumstances will not have changed, and I will not be tempted out of misery by some delicious smells. But that is exactly what happened. The girl returned with a tray bearing a cup of fragrant tea and a plate piled up with very hot buttered toast, cut thick, very brown on both sides, with the butter running through the holes in it in great golden drops like honey from the honeycomb. Despite his best efforts, Toad was seduced. Oh, this reminds me of so many things. <laughs> Warm kitchens and breakfasts on bright frosty mornings. Of cosy parlour firesides on winter evenings when one's ramble was over and slippered feet. Oh... Toad Hall. How I miss it. And all my friends. Tell me about Toad Hall. It sounds beautiful. Well, um, Toad Hall is an eligible self-contained gentleman's residence, very unique, dating in part from the 14th century, but replete in every modern convenience. Up-to-date sanitation, five minutes from church, post office and golf links. Suitable... <laughs> Bless me. I don't want to buy it. Tell me something real about it. Uh, of course. Uh, something real. Um, but first, can I trouble you for some more tea and toast? Through mouthfuls of toast and between slurps of tea... He told her about the boathouse and the fish pond and the old walled kitchen garden 
and about the pigsties and the stables and the pigeon house and the hen house and about the dairy and the wash house and the china cupboards and the linen presses. She liked that bit especially. And about the banqueting hall and the fun they had there when the other animals were gathered round the table and Toad was at his best, singing songs, telling stories and carrying on generally. On and on he talked, so much so that by the time she had said good night, Toad was very much the same sanguine, self-satisfied animal that he had been of old. One morning, the girl was very thoughtful and answered at random and did not seem to Toad to be paying proper attention to his witty sayings and sparkling comments. Toad, I have an aunt who is a washerwoman. There, there, never mind. Think no more about it. I have several aunts who ought to be washerwomen. Do be quiet for a minute. You talk too much. That's your chief fault, and I'm trying to think, and you hurt my head. As I said, I have an aunt who is a washerwoman. She does the washing for all the prisoners in this castle. We try to keep any paying business of that sort in the family, you understand. She takes out the washing on Monday morning and brings it in on Friday evening. This is a Thursday. Now this is what occurs to me. You're very rich. At least you're always telling me so. And she's very poor. A few pounds wouldn't make any difference to you and it would mean a lot to her. I think if she were properly approached you could come to some arrangement by which she would let you have a dress and bonnet and you could escape from the castle as the official washerwoman. You're very alike in many respects, particularly about the figure. Oh, we're not. I have a very elegant figure for what I am. So is my aunt, for what she is. But have it your own way, you horrid, proud, ungrateful animal. I was just feeling sorry for you and trying to help. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I, I understand. But surely you wouldn't have Mr Toad of Toad Hall going about the country disguised as a washerwoman. Then you can stop here as a toad. Well, I, I suppose if no one knew, I mean, it could be our little secret after all. Ours and your aunt, of course. Sensible toad. Tomorrow evening I will bring you her clothes, a cotton gown and shawl, and a rusty black bonnet, I think. The following evening, good as her word, the jailer's daughter brought the cotton gown and shawl and rusty black bonnet and proceeded to hook and eye him into the elaborate disguise. Let me fold this shawl over your shoulders. There. I think that's right. Now, for the bonnet. Uh, be careful. Don't tie those strings so tight. Do you want it to blow off while you're passing the guard? There. How's that? 
I've tied my aunt up and left her in the washroom. That was our agreement. This way she can say she was a victim of the notorious toad. <laughs> Finished. Uh, how do I look? You're the very image of her. I'm sure you never looked so respectable in all your life. Now goodbye, Toad, and good luck. Go straight down the way you come up, and if anyone says anything to you, remember you're a widow woman, quite alone in the world. And grunt, something miserable. You should be good at that. With a quaking heart, Toad set forth cautiously on what seemed to him a most harebrained and hazardous undertaking. But he was soon agreeably surprised to find how easy everything was made for him. The washerwoman's squat figure in its familiar cotton print seemed a passport for every barred door and grim gateway. Even when he hesitated, uncertain of the right turning to take, he found himself helped out of his difficulty by a warder. It seemed hours before he exited the last gate, and once outside it, he stood dizzy with the feeling of freedom. He started to walk towards the lights of the town, only to stop a moment to wonder what he would do next. Just then, his attention was caught by some red and green lights a little way off, and the sound of puffing and snorting. He made his way to the station, consulted a timetable and found that a train, bound more or less in the direction of his home, was due to pass through in half an hour. Aha! This is a piece of luck. A train is just the thing I need. And what's more, I won't need to go through the town to get it. Imagine if I were caught in this ridiculous disguise. Toad was dressed as a washerwoman, they'd say. Toad of Toad Hall would be Toad of the Laundry. Humiliating. But luck failed him when he went to purchase his ticket and reached for the money tucked into his waistcoat pocket. There was no pocket, just the dress that had served so well as a disguise. Other travellers forming up in a line behind waited with impatience, and in desperation he returned to his fine old manor, a blend of the squire and the college don. Uh, look here, I find I've left my purse behind. Uh, just give me that ticket, will you, and I'll send the money on tomorrow. I'm well known in these parts. But the clerk just told him to stop mm. holding up the line, and full of despair, Toad wandered blindly down the platform where the train was standing, tears trickling down each side of his nose. It's so hard. I am within sight of safety and almost of home, and to be balked by the want of a few wretched shillings and by the petty fogging mistrustfulness of paid officials. Very soon my escape will be discovered. 
the, the hunt will be on, and, and, and if I'm caught, I'll be loaded with chains, dragged back again to prison, and put on bread and water. As Toad wallowed in misery, wondering if he could employ the method adopted by schoolboys and squeeze under the carriage seat when the conductor came round, a burly man with an oil can in his hand looked up from his work on the engine. Hello, Mother. What's the trouble? You don't look particularly cheerful. Uh, oh, sir, I'm a poor, unhappy washerwoman and... I've lost all my money and can't pay for a ticket, and I, I must get home tonight somehow, and whatever am I to do, I don't know, oh dear, oh dear. That's a bad business indeed. Lost your money and can't get home, and got some kids too waiting for you, I dare say. Any amount of them, and they'll be hungry and playing with matches, quarrelling and going on generally, oh dear, oh dear. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. You're a washerwoman by your trade, says you. Very well, that's that. And I'm an engine driver, as you see, and there's no denying it's terribly dirty work. Uses up a power of shirts, it does, till my missus is fair tired of washing of them. If you'll wash a few shirts for me when you get home and send them along, I'll give you a ride on my engine. It's against the company regulations, but we're not so very particular in these out-of-the-way parts. Oh, what will I do? I've never washed a shirt in my life, and I couldn't if I tried. Well, what do you say, Mother? Do we have a bargain? When I get safely home to Toad Hall and have money again and pockets to put it in, I can send him enough to pay for his washing and perhaps some shirts too. His wife will be ever so grateful, I'm sure. Y yes, we have a deal, sir. The guard waved his welcome flag, the engine driver whistled in cheerful response, and the train moved out of the station. As the speed increased and the toad could see on either side of him real fields and trees and hedges and cows and horses all flying past him and as he thought how every minute was bringing him nearer to Toad Hall and sympathetic friends and money to chink in his pocket and a soft bed to sleep in and good things to eat and praise and admiration at the recital of his adventures and his surpassing cleverness. He began to skip up and down and shout and sing snatches of song, to the great astonishment of the engine driver, who had come across washerwomen before, but never one at all like this. They had covered many and many a mile, and Toad was already considering what he would have for supper as soon as he got home, when he noticed that the engine driver, with a puzzled expression on his face, was leaning over the side of the engine and listening hard. That's strange. We're the last train running in this direction tonight, yet I could be sworn that I heard another following us. There. I can see it clearly now. It is an engine 
on our rails, coming along at a great pace. It looks as if we're being pursued. Pursued? Oh dear, oh dear. And they're gaining on us fast. It's very odd. The engine is crowded with the queerest lot of people I ever seen. Men like ancient warders and policemen in their helmets, waving truncheons. Truncheons? Oh dear. And there's some shabbily dressed men in pot hats and with revolvers and, and walking sticks. Revolvers? Oh no. And they're, they're shouting, stop, stop, stop. That's a queer thing. Why would they want that? Save me, please save me, dear kind Mr. Engine Driver, and I will confess everything. I am not the simple washerwoman I seem to be. I, I have no children waiting for me, innocent or otherwise. I am a toad, the well-known and popular Mr. Toad, a landed proprietor. I, I have just escaped by my great daring and cleverness from a loathsome dungeon into which my enemies had flung me, and if those fellows on that engine recapture me, it will be chains and bread and water and straw and misery once more for poor, unhappy, innocent Toad. Toad, you say? What were you put in prison for? Oh, nothing much of a mistake, really. I borrowed a motor-car while the owners were at lunch. They had no need of it at the time. However, the police called it theft, and magistrates take such a hard view on such things. Borrowed a motor-car? That's what you call it. You are a thoroughly wicked toad, and by rights I ought to give you up. Oh, please have mercy on me. You'll find I'm quite a decent fellow once I'm out of this dress. Well, you are evidently in sore trouble. I am, and all over misunderstanding. All right, I, I will not give you up. I don't hold with motor cars, for one thing, and I don't hold with being ordered about by policemen when I'm on me own engine for another. And the sight of an animal in tears always makes me feel queer and soft-hearted. So cheer up, Toad. I'll do my best. And we may beat them yet. And with that, they piled on more coals, shoveling furiously. The furnace roared, the sparks flew, the engine leapt and swung, but still their pursuers slowly gained. I'm afraid it's no good, Toad. You see, they're running light, and they have a better engine. There's just one thing left for us to do, and it's your only chance. A short way ahead of us is a long tunnel, and on the other side of that, the line passes through a thick wood. Now, I will put on all speed I can while we're running through the tunnel, but the other fellows will slow down a bit, naturally, for fear of an accident. When we're through, I'll shut off steam and put on the brakes as hard as I can, and the moment it's safe for you to do so, you must jump and hide in the wood. Then I will go full speed ahead again, and they will chase me. Now be ready to jump when I tell you. So more coals were piled on, and the train raced into the tunnel, and the engine rushed and roared and rattled, till at last they shot out the other end into fresh air and the peaceful moonlight, and saw the wood lying dark and helpful upon either side of the line.
Now, jump. I think... Uh, I'm sure we are still going too fast. Jump, I said, you cowardly toad. Oh! Toad rolled down the embankment and at the bottom picked himself up, unhurt and stood for a moment quite angry at being pushed. But then, hearing the second engine entering the tunnel, he scrambled into the wood and hid. Peeping out, he saw his train get up speed again and disappear at a great pace. Then out of the tunnel burst the pursuing engine, roaring and whistling, her motley crew waving their various weapons and shouting, Stop! 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 When they were past, the toad had a hearty laugh for the first time since he had been thrown into prison. But then he stopped and looked around. What am I going to do? It's dark and it's cold and I, I don't know this place. I'm still a long way from home and all my friends and, and it is so quiet. I really don't like that it is so quiet. He dared not leave the shelter of the trees, so he struck off into the wood with the idea of leaving the railway as far as possible behind him. He walked for hours, until at last, cold, hungry and tired out, he found shelter in a hollow tree, where, with branches and dead leaves, he made himself a comfortable bed and slept soundly till the morning. Thank you.